time for overtime. Stop what you're doing and listen. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines, from locals to the pros, with interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with the national champions. Hear from coaches to players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime, now with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. The world officially on Aaron Rodgers' time today, as has been the case for the last few weeks. Also, the girls' state basketball tournament is now officially underway across the state of South Dakota, and a basketball legend calls it a career. Those are your headlines as we open up the snowy, 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 snowy Thursday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Dustin Baker live with us in studio as he always is. He braved the elements and Dustin, welcome in. I know uh, it's never easy to drive out and about, but I know it's uh, fun to have you in here every week. Thanks for being a part of it again. Uh, likewise, the elements aren't too bad because I think we're conditioned by this yes. a ginan- ginormous winter. Uh, I think it's the third snowiest on record so far. That today, driving in here, I was like, oh, this is it. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> a lot to break down, but again, the snow continues to come down, so please take your time out there. If you're a guy who does not have a proper snow vehicle like myself, take your time and uh, and pack just in case you might get <laughs> stranded out there. But uh, it uh, is not too bad just yet, but the snow continues to fall. Could see some wind, and I think it's, what, four to six inches is the latest Mm -hmm. uh, forecast in our area, which has changed throughout the week. Coming up on today's show, we've got Dustin with us from 11 to noon. We'll talk Aaron Rodgers, talk Derek Carr, little Lamar Jackson sprinkled in, and Daniel Jones resetting the quarterback market with a four-year, $160 million deal with the New York Giants. We'll also talk a little bit more Minnesota Vikings. Will Adam Thielen be released today? A lot of activity regarding his name on Twitter, and rumors are, if released, he wants to play on a contending team with a top quarterback. And a lot of rumors floating around about Thielen, his future, and other Minnesota Vikings, so we'll get the latest on that with Dustin. We'll also get you the best and worst moves of NFL free agency in the last five years for all of our teams and some notable teams across the league. Hour number two, we'll talk Minnesota Twins baseball with broadcaster Chris Atterbury with the Minnesota Twins Radio Network. And we will round out the show with a very special interview. Final segment of the day, we will talk to racing legend Doug Wolfgang here on the show as we talk about his illustrious career, challenges throughout his career, and what he's up to these days as he calls Sioux Falls home. Your scorecard from yesterday in the NBA. Boston with a 115-93 win at home over Portland. Cleveland wins on the road over Miami 104-100. New Orleans gets a home win over visiting Dallas, 113-106. Chicago wins in Denver behind 29 points from ex-Timberwolf Zach Levine, 117-96. And Phoenix, 132-101 home winners over OKC. That's notable for a lot of reasons. Most uh, biggest storyline out of that contest happened before the game even got started. And that was Kevin Durant uh, looking like he turned his ankle. And we'll get a latest update on his injury status moving forward. And all of a sudden... The NBA has become riddled with injuries. Luka Doncic also going down last night. Of course, LeBron James out. Steph Curry recently back in the lineup. KD back in the lineup for a few games and now might miss some significant time. We'll give you the latest 
on all of those situations as we go out through the show. Tonight in the NBA, Jazz visit the Magic at 6, Warriors at Grizzlies at 6.30 on TNT, and the late TNT game tonight, Knicks at Kings, tips off at 9 o'clock. NHL Finals, the Wild got back in the win column with a 4-2 win on the road in Winnipeg. They're 37-21-7 on the year. Chicago fell at Detroit 4-3, and Vancouver got an overtime win over visiting Anaheim 3-2. Tonight in the NHL, Stars at Sabres at 6 o'clock, Oilers at Bruins, two of the top offensive teams in the National Hockey League, square off at 6.30, and the Kings visit the Avalanche at 8 o'clock. Men's basketball finals from yesterday, it was awfully interesting for a multitude of reasons across the college basketball world yesterday. A couple big coaching moves that happened post-game. Big Ten Tournament Finals, Wisconsin, an incredibly disappointing and sluggish first half. They make it interesting down the stretch, but they fell to Ohio State 65-57 to in the first round of the Big Ten Tournament. And now the Badgers pretty much kaput on the season. Greg Gard said he likes their chances of earning a bid, but they needed to win one, maybe two, maybe three games to solidify their chances for an NCAA tournament berth. And now the Badgers on the outside looking in. The late game of the Big Ten tournament yesterday, first round, Minnesota down, Nebraska 78-75. Big 12 finals, Texas Tech fell to West Virginia 78-62. And Oklahoma State took care of Oklahoma 57-49. ACC tournament notable finals yesterday, UNC over Boston College 85-61. And Wake Forest with a buzzer beater to down Syracuse 77-74. to And we'll have more on this in just a moment. But Jim Beheim officially out after a long and storied career as the head coach of the Syracuse Orange. Today and tonight in men's basketball, Big Ten tournament game underway. Rutgers and Michigan got going five minutes ago. Ohio State and Iowa will tip it off at 1.30. Penn State and Illinois 5.30. Minnesota and Maryland at 8 o'clock. Big 12 games today. Iowa State in action in just about 25 minutes against Baylor. West Virginia and Kansas at 2 o'clock. OK State and Texas at 6. TCU at K-State or TCU against K-State at 8.30. And of course in the golfing world today, the Players' Championship underway from TPC Sawgrass. Get you an update on that leaderboard as we move forward. The Class AA, Single A, and Class B Girls State Basketball Tournaments are officially underway. We'll take a look now at the Class AA brackets. The top seed, Sioux Falls, Washington, and eighth seed, Watertown, just got underway about five minutes ago. We'll get you a score update on the other side of our upcoming break. The other matchups today, Sioux Falls, Jefferson, the four seed, matches up with 12th seeded Mitchell. And then you've got... Uh, the uh, Pierre TF Riggs against Rapid City Stevens at 5 o'clock. O'Gorman and Harrisburg at 7.45 as uh, the 4-5 matchup, not 4-12. 4-5 matchup, Jefferson and Mitchell will be a 1.45 tip time. In class single A, Hamlin and Flandreau are the top uh, first matchup of the day. That gets going at noon. That's the 1-8 matchup, respectfully. Red Cloud's the 5 seed, Lakota Tech, or Red Cloud the 4, Lakota Tech the 5. That gets going at 1.45. 6 o'clock the start time for 2 seed Wagner and 7 seed Rapid City Christian. And the three-seed Sioux Falls Christian battles six-seed Sisseton at 7.45 tonight. Lastly, in the Bs, we'll see Wessington, the top seed, will take on Jones County here at noon. Sully Buttes and Wall set to battle at 1.45 in the 4-5 matchup. The 2-7 matchup from Huron is Ethan and Castlewood. And the 3-6 tonight at 7.45, Viberg Hurley and Howard. Now on to your Reliabank headlines of the day. Augustana's Bryn Greenwald is the national runner-up in the 50 freestyle. The freshman from Foley, Minnesota, timed in at 22.56 seconds in the finals to highlight Augie's first day 
at the NCAA D2 Championships in Indianapolis. Greenwald swam her prelim time at 22.82, shaved off some fractions there to finish as the runner-up nationally, 22.56 seconds. Up next for Vikings swimming, who will not have any swimmers today, but will return to the championship pool tomorrow as Greenwald will compete in the 100 backstroke and the 200 free relay team. And the meet gets underway at 9 a.m. Central with the finals at 5 p.m. Continuing with your ReliaBank headlines of the day, for all of your banking needs, see ReliaBank.com. The University of Minnesota rallied for three runs in the late innings to pull out a 3-2 win over South Dakota State Baseball in non-conference action last night at U.S. Bank Stadium. In winning their second game in a row, the Golden Gophers improved to 2-11 on the year, while SDSU dropped to 3-5 overall. Up next for the Jack Rabbit baseball team, they're scheduled to open a three-game weekend series Friday afternoon at Western Kentucky. First pitch is set for 3 p.m. at Nick Dennis Field in Bowling Green. South Dakota State softball team has adjusted its upcoming weekend schedule and is now slated to play five games at the Jayhawk Invitational that's hosted by Kansas starting on Friday. The Jackrabbits were set to make a trip to San Luis Obispo, California to play in five games in Cal Poly's Mustang Classic, followed by a doubleheader at LMU, but due to travel and unexpected and expected rain conditions, SDSU instead will participate in a four-team tournament featuring Central Arkansas, Stanford, and host Kansas at the Jayhawks Arocha Ballpark. And to see an updated South Dakota State softball schedule, you can visit gojacks.com. Let's round out your ReliaBank headlines of the day with this, and that's the big uh, groundbreaking news from college basketball yesterday after 47 seasons Hall of Famer Jim Beheim will not be returning as the men's basketball coach at Syracuse. This was announced yesterday, just hours after the Orange lost 77-74 to Wake Forest at the ACC tournament. Syracuse announced that associate head coach Adrian Autry, who has been on the staff for a long time since 2011, would be promoted to replace the 78-year-old. Here's a quote from Chancellor Kent Severud. There is no doubt in my mind that without Jim Beheim, Syracuse basketball would not be the powerhouse program it is today. Jim has invested and dedicated the majority of his life to building this program, cultivating generations of student-athletes and representing his alma mater with pride and distinction. After Wednesday's loss, Beheim hinted that he would be retiring, but he said it was up to the university to decide his future. Beheim, an official coaching record of 1,015 and 441 over his career, 101 wins having been vacated because of NCAA rules violations, but uh, again... Took Syracuse to the NCAA tournament 35 times, advanced to the Final Four in five of those trips, won the national title in 2003. So big news out of the college basketball world, and that'll round out your ReliaBank headlines of the day. Dustin, before we go to break, i got to get your latest opinion and your latest analysis of the ever-evolving, ever-changing Aaron Rodgers situation. Bunch of Jets got on a jet and moved out to California, saw and visited with Rodgers, it seems like the wheels are in motion now. Uh, there is no official report that Rodgers is actually, quote-unquote, interested. But the meeting took place, and it seems like there's a lot of steam here for this to get pushed through today or tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to know personally better than anybody that the Packers would have had to greenlight this conversation. Otherwise, it's like blatant tampering. So for the first time in ever, most of our lives, Rodgers is talking to a different team about leaving the Packers. And so now I think we're in the realm of inevitability and you're hashing out the trade scenarios because I had just assumed up until yesterday when I started doing my homework on the topic that it would be a first and a fourth or something. But because of all the leverage that the other team will have, it sounds like 
it'll be that team swallowing a lot of the money, mid-round picks, and I'm like, geez, you thought that if he could have been moved two years ago, they could have got a King's ransom. Yeah, I think so, too. The value when the Niners were interested would have been astronomical, maybe two, maybe three first-round picks, maybe more. Um, And now, I don't know what to make of this situation. It seems the one thing that's in the Jets' favor is it doesn't seem like there's any other teams (laughs) in on this. And of course, there's probably calls being made from Tennessee, maybe Carolina, saying, hey, what's the latest? What's the latest? We want to know before anything goes down with New York officially. But again, Aaron Rodgers would have to greenlight these other teams being interested. Who knows where that all stands? But the value has kind of been skewed. Originally, it was reported the Jets would give up maybe two firsts and yeah. a premium player. And now, I don't know what the value is. It might just be one first. The one thing to keep in mind, and this was per the article at ESPN.com a few days ago, because it's signing bonus money, the Packers, unless there's some sort of crazy restructure, massaging of the deal, and then trade, the Packers owe Aaron Rodgers $40 million, regardless if he plays again or not in Green Bay. And, of course, a portion of that would be forfeited if he just straight-up retires. Mm -hmm. But if he gets moved to a different team via trade... As of right now, it's $40 million on the Packers' books in 2023. I think that in this this upcoming trade, that if they are able to wiggle around the dollars so that the Jets, or whoever it may be, takes on most of the money, then you accept the third rounder and the fourth rounder because you don't want to look down at a cap hit of that when you're trying to team build. Thankfully, for your team's sake, they already have Jordan Love, so you're not playing this big what-are-we-going-to-do game. Um, but yeah, I would, if I was a general manager of this scenario, I'd be looking to get the Jets to take as much as the the dead cap and the money as they possibly could, and then we'll figure out the picks down the road. A lot to dissect for the Aaron Rodgers situation. A lot of other quarterback situations getting awfully interesting, including Lamar Jackson. I want to get your take on the non-exclusive franchise tag, what it means, how they value Lamar, and other teams that could be interested, including maybe, just maybe, the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> we will wait and see. Dustin Baker live with us. The entire hour here on the Thursday edition of Overtime. When we come back, we talk NFL quarterback situations, talk about some Vikings moves that could be made in free agency, and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Thursday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Did you grow up on a time with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls sports leader. Rolling along with our number one of overtime here on your Thursday. Thanks as always for being with us. Always great to hear from our awesome listeners over the break. Might be enjoying a day off due to the inclement weather conditions and Dustin We had breaking news last week that I completely forgot to get to. Your personal family had a big-time acquisition. Tell us all about it. I know you have a a new member of your family as of uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we got a basset hound uh, from Sibley, Iowa. We went down and adopted him. Uh, I'm, by trade, a cat person, and my wife loves dogs, and all of her family, her dad, her mom, her brother, have big dogs, and... For most of parenthood for me, I always have this vision of a big dog just bowling over my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I've been like, we're not going to do that. That's not worth the risk. And on a random Monday night about a week and a half ago, uh, we usually peruse the Humane Society's website just to see what we would get if we were going to adopt. It's it's not, We never effectuate it. Um, but somehow we got to talking about, we saw something to do with a basset hound, even though that wasn't on the Humane Society site. And she said, it's always been a dream of mine to have a basset hound named Toby. 
because from the Great Mouse Detective movie in 1987. Oh, yeah. Love that and, movie. And she said, Toby. it's been a dream of hers. And I was like, no, she's serious about this. This is an easy dream to effectuate. This, mm-hmm. And this married both worlds because I grew up with little dogs, dachshunds. Mm-hmm. She loves big dogs. And a basset is basically a bloodhound with short legs. Yeah. Genetically, it's a big dog. He's going to weigh about 60 pounds. So I Googled for about an hour after she went to bed, and I told her that Tuesday or that Monday morning that hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna go get a basset, and we did, and he's he's just glorious. Awesome! And share with us the name, Toby Bryant. There you go. Yet yeah, we married the Toby dream with uh, a basketball <laughs> connection. Go figure. I, I love it. I I told you in the break. I'm a huge pet person, animal person, no matter what. I have a strong preference towards dogs. It kind of factors in that I'm allergic to cats, but I also, mm. I just prefer dogs behaviorally a little bit more, and everybody's got a personal opinion on that. I don't judge either way. Pets are pets. It's awesome, no matter which way you get involved, but uh, I'm very happy for you. I love dogs, so congrats on the new addition. Oh, thanks. Yeah, he's he, he's he just instantly is like this orb of coziness and love, and it's hard to describe. As a, as a kid, I love dogs, and it drifted away because of my cat fascination, but I'm very glad that I got this guy in the house. Big news for <laughs> Dustin. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Dust Baker. I think he posted a few pictures. Yeah, maybe I did. Also, mm-hmm. So check those out. Uh, speaking of uh, other teams that are looking to add some dogs to their lineup, let's talk uh, <laughs> NFL quarterbacks. That's the transition of the year. Uh, again, on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the situation is complex. He's got to give permission uh, to teams with interest. He kind of gets to control his own destiny because he's under contract with the Packers. It's not a tag situation. The Packers aren't just uh, straight up going to trade him anywhere, especially more than likely not in the NFC. Talks with the Jets heating up, and we saw this for a while because of the Nathaniel Hackett hire last month. But when it comes to the overall fit in New York, is that a place where you think Rodgers can be added and all of a sudden they're a Super Bowl contender in the AFC, or do you think it just puts them in the playoff tier? We'll talk ourselves into the hype of them being a Super Bowl contender by midsummer because we'll have this vision that Rodgers can uh, reclaim that MVP credo. But realistically, they got to get through so many AFC teams to even be considered uh, the one saving grace, if you're a Rodgers fan or a Jets fan, is they have a defensive-minded head coach. So that side of the ball with Robert Salah is always going to be fine. And the idea is that you would marry Rodgers with Brees Hall. And which one do they have? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Garrett, yep. Garrett Wilson. Tyler Conklin's decent tight end. Elijah Moore is also there. And uh, a couple other players. But they actually are going to release Braxton Berrios yeah. as of today, which yeah. he's not a big name, but a guy that's a slot receiver. But they're clearing some cap space, which yeah. is also adds to this intrigue. I think the it's a continuation of murderer's row in the AFC for quarterbacks, especially if Rodgers is the 2021 version of himself, because they all go to the AFC. Yep. Every single one of the good ones, it, it leaves the NFC looking like, gosh, is Kirk the second or Kirk Cousins second or third best in the conference? Yeah, he it's is. Kind of odd. I mean, it depends on Matthew Stafford as the second and third, but I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's Prescott, Murray, Daniel Jones. I mean, mixing in there, San Francisco guys, but uh, <laughs> who knows? I mean, the NFC is about to have a extremely young crop of quarterbacks and a lot of guys that might be playing on one- to two-year deals. Uh, Derek Carr, that whole situation went down since we last talked. Uh, what do you make of the fit in New Orleans? And I had a poll out earlier this year or earlier this week. Does the addition of Derek Carr make the Saints a playoff team this year? Do they win the division? And it was I had a bunch of votes, and it was straight 50-50. So people are torn on this. What do you think? Yes, because, again, uh, Dennis Allen there running the defense. He was the Saints defensive coordinator forever. 
Um, and it's not that I'm pow- I'll never pound the table for the Saints. Um, but if you look <laughs> at the competition, you have probably Kyle Trask, the quarterback of the Bucks, probably Desmond Ritter, the quarterback of the Falcons, and then some rookie we think for the Panthers. And by default, you take Carr's, uh, I guess what guaranteed seven wins uh, as the floor and a decent defense for the first time in his life. Uh, while he was there in Las Vegas and Oakland from 2014 to 2022. Uh, per EPA per play, the Raiders were the worst defensive team in football. So he should be jumping for joy that he'll have a somewhat competent defense in the Saints. So yeah, I'll say that they can win the division with a nine and eight, ten and seven record. That's only because of the competition. Talking with Dustin Baker here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. You can follow him on Twitter at Dust Baker, YouTube Vikes Now, and of course the brick and mortar website. Brick and mortar website, kind of a contradiction <laughs> there, but uh, Vikings Territory Com. A lot of great articles out. As this offseason, the narratives write themselves. You can slice it any way you want. The Vikings might be parting ways with players, might be adding some players. Who knows what they're going to do in the draft. But uh, we'll keep talking quarterbacks here for now. Uh, where does your disrespectometer stand on Lamar Jackson right now? Should he feel disrespected by the Ravens? Is this a heady, next-level thinking move by Baltimore that they're just looking to have other teams Tell Lamar Jackson, hey, you're not worth that much. Mm-hmm. Go back to the Ravens. We're not going to offer it for you. Where do you stand on this whole situation? It's very intriguing. There are two camps with this situation because of the non-interest, relatively speaking, on the open market for Jackson. It's A, that there's collusion, that owners have gotten together, smoke-filled rooms, which you know wouldn't surprise any <laughs> of us, and said, we're not going to give this guy a Deshaun Watson contract because why did you guys do that last year in the first place? So this is the blowback. That's the collusion theory. The second one is... By putting the non-exclusive tag on them, you're allowing other teams to do all Baltimore's work for them. Like, they get to teach Lamar how much he's worth or how much he's not. If they do nothing, which seems like it's going on right now in the first couple days of it, it puts all the onus back on Baltimore, and you won't have any input from other teams. So it's I think it's a chess match. I Although I don't think the NFL is above collusion, I think this is more of... Owners and general managers saying like, no, we're not we're not doing all this work for you. You figure it out. Very interesting situation continuing to play out in Baltimore again. The non-exclusive franchise tag essentially means they're guaranteeing him less money next year if he plays on the tag, but other teams can negotiate with the Ravens now. So it's a little bit of layman's term uh, as far as negotiate with Jackson and the Ravens, rather. Uh, it's a little bit of layman's terms on that situation as we continue to see that unfold uh, so many different quarterback situations, and the most recent one as far as inking a deal, a real deal, uh, is Daniel Jones. Four years, $160 million, more of a two-year deal for, I think it's 82 is the two-year number. Um, so the average annual value spikes in those first two years, kind of gets the Giants an opportunity to maybe restructure or move on after the second year of that deal. But what does this do for the Kirk Cousins contract uh, negotiations that we're assuredly going to see? If not this year, this offseason, the next. And what do you make of the of the fit and the recommittal to Daniel Jones uh, from the Big Apple? So Derek Carr, who we just talked about, his uh, AAV average annual value now is thirty seven point five million, and now Daniel Jones is forty million. So if you're Kirk Cousins and his agent, who are shrewd business people, they're going to say that's the, this is the bottom floor. And truth be told, Cousins played better than both of those guys last year. So if Cousins wasn't such a lightning rod for divisiveness, you'd probably say 40, 42 million for Kirk too. Um, however, uh, with Daniel Jones, it's so odd to me because uh, 
for the first time in my life, I watched him twice against the Vikings down the stretch of last season. I was like, this guy's pretty good. Uh, but then again, he was going up against this Vikings defense that was only good when it forced turnovers. So he could thank the Vikings defense a lot for this new contract. And I think we need to have some perspective. Daniel Jones threw 15 touchdown passes last year. Mm-hmm. And if I tweet that, I get clapped back. Well, he had seven rushing seven touchdowns. Rushing. And I'm That's like, still 22. who cares? Yeah. 22 rushing touchdowns is not worth $40 million. So they're paying for the upside. I think they really want him to be good. Um, but, man, it's it, it's a further testament to the ever-evolving quarterback market that resets itself every year. So for Kirk, it it puts puts him right around, right around that $40 million price tag, and it really intensifies the mystery on whether or not the Vikings will extend him or just let his deal play out. And for Kirk Cousins, again, if you, if you had your best guess, mm-hmm. we heard Coesito Fomensa recently say, hey, we'd like to keep it short-term and give us flexibility, things of that nature. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing there. If Your, your best guess, the Vikings know that Kirk is, is accelerated in age mm-hmm. and will continue, obviously, to do so. Everybody ages the same amount uh, as a daily basis, but Kirk is up there in age as far as a starter goes. Do you think that this one-year deal that he has left on the contract will, will go out to two or three? Is that your best guess? With, no. with fully guaranteed again? When the off season, or excuse me, when the playoff game ended and the motions were still raw, I wrote and assumed that they'd probably just let the deal play out because this is two new personalities in the front office with O'Connell and Adafa Mensah, and they eventually want to get their guy. And then the next six weeks unfolded, and I was like, oh, I bet you they throw on an extra year just to, just to play it safe. But then you talked about it just now when Adafa Mensah's thrown out nouns like flexibility. That means that he probably doesn't want to marry Cousins for more than a year or two. So I'm not confident that an extra year is on the table. When this is all settled, uh, I I honestly think, but I'm not firm, I think they'll just let the deal play out, which means they'll start plotting the afterlife for Cousins this draft or the next. The good news is if Cousins shows up in 2023, because he will play for the Vikings next year and balls out as 40 touchdowns, six picks, or something awesome like that, they can always re-sign him if, if he's great in his second year with Kevin O'Connell. But I think the tea leaves are saying that even they might not think he's worth 40 to $42 million per season. And it's crazy to believe that because you have a team in the same conference just paying average annual $40 million for a 22-touchdown guy, and what is <laughs> what is the season that put him on the map? Mm-hmm. And the Giants did not have weapons, so I'm not taking away from Daniel Jones' 15 touchdown passes he was throwing to me and Dustin out there. But this is going to be interesting with the Kirk Cousins situation as, as to how that plays out. Again, Kirk Cousins, currently 34 years old, will be... I believe 35 before the start of the yeah. next season. August. As uh, as we'll continue to see that situation play out. But coming up immediately next, we'll talk the impending Vikings moves as to uh, get them into the black on the salary cap. Will Adam Thielen be a Viking? Will it be a restructure? Will it be a straight cut for the veteran wide receiver? We'll also talk some mock drafts and an intriguing running back that could go in the first round of this year's NFL draft. That's next on Overtime. Your team have a rough up on your smart device. Now let's get you back to overtime with Bert Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO. Right back with you on the Thursday edition of Overtime. Remember, tomorrow the Friday Parlay will be posted live. A big, big, big prize pack this week. And get your picks in at ESPN Sioux Falls on Twitter. We're joined by Dustin Baker this entire hour. You can find him 
On Twitter at DustBaker and the work at VikingsTerritory.com. You can follow Viking Territory on Twitter for all your latest Vikings news and nuggets. We talked to the NFL quarterback situation, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, and of course, the impending contract situation of one Kirk Cousins. Cap hit this year, $36.25 million. Let's talk uh, the future of the league now. A couple nuggets here uh, from the NFL Combine. Firstly, I want to talk, we did talk briefly about this last week, but Bajan Robinson, uh, widely believed the top running back uh, taken in this year's draft should be a first-round pick, more than likely uh, could be a top 16 pick. That's the top half of this draft. Uh, he thinks, most of all, that his versatility sets him out among the rest. So as, as far as just a straight running back who's dominant in college, here's a quote from Robinson. First of all, I feel like if you're a guy who can do all three for your offense, that's blocking, receiving, and rushing. I think that's a very special quality for a player. You line up a player at receiver, at slot, or obviously at running back, just creating mismatches all over the field and being able to create space for yourself. That's a high value everyone should look at. Robinson was a unanimous All-American selection, ran for 3,410 yards rushing over his career in Texas, including 1,580 yards, 18 scores this last year. Also led the nation's running backs in broken tackles. He's the sixth overall ranked draft prospect by Mel Kuyper Jr. Where should he go, and does he have a point with the versatility that might set him apart from your average back? Yeah, he has that uh, Adrian Peterson comparison about the impact that he can have, but I think a lot of us know Adrian didn't really catch the ball out of the yep. backfield. Yep. So there's, it's more of a comparison to Saquon. And so you have pretty, pretty two studs that you're comparing him to. And yeah, so he has a point that he can do both, especially this day in the NFL. It didn't matter back in the day when Adrian Peterson only ran for home run touchdowns because that's what we did back then, or that's what we wanted them to do. So yeah, I with Bijan, uh, I think it's so fascinating because if he slips past 14 or 15, there's going to be a team that drafts him, and some of the fan base is going to be like, you're drafting a running back in the first round? What are you doing? And in about two days after that emotion, they're going to be like, we got Bijan Robinson, and he's going to completely revolutionize your offense. Um, if this was a draft was a decade ago, this guy would go in the top three, bar none, like Trent Richardson. Um, but because we've evolved with NFL analytics that show running the ball is just kind of optional, uh, Bijan stock and all every other running back is plummeting. Um, but yeah, he is probably, I would love to just do a whole show, you and me talking about where he could go. Yeah. Because it feels like a sweepstakes that any team, if your favorite team is the Bills, he could go there. If your favorite team's the Chiefs, he could go there. Um, but it's, it's, it's that ceiling is so high where he could conceivably go to any team that he's going to generate a lot of excitement. Is it bad that I want him on the Packers, even though we have two backs already <laughs> that are more than capable? This guy's an absolute stud. Let me ask you this. We we're going to talk about where he could go. I was just going to give you the top 10 teams that I think don't need a quarterback that could take him. Mm -hmm. uh, which is most likely? Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, as we look down, the Seattle Seahawks don't have a needed quarterback anymore for now, mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, and then you look down at the Falcons. They reportedly like their quarterback. And lastly, Philadelphia. Miles Sanders is out of town. Those are the top 10 teams that don't really have a need at quarterback. Did any of those stand out to you? Could he go in the top 10 to any of those teams? Yes, and the Eagles stand out. Uh, depending on what happens in their free agency, because I know they're losing some dudes, um, they feel like a team that is so structurally sound at the moment where they can just throw a dart and say, let's get really rich. Mm -hmm. Let's have Bijan Robinson. And 
I mean, this isn't their pick to begin with, so it's gravy. Yep. And yeah, so that would be the one, especially with Miles Sanders heading elsewhere in free agency. You restart the clock on a rookie contract, and think about how good the Eagles were with good running backs. If you can get great, that could be the kicker that gets you past the Chiefs. Yeah, and one new nugget here on the Eagles, too. Four of the top 35 players in NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal's rankings of the top free agents. So four of the top 35 are Philadelphia Eagles defenders. Oh, yeah, okay. So defensively, again, they're going to kick the can on the defense while they add another offensive weapon. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think it could be a, a fit there, but they are going to have some needs to replace on defense, particularly at corner perhaps, depending on the Bradbury situation. And those two coordinators that departed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they hired uh, mostly internally for those two. And um, But yeah, Eagles are loaded, regardless of the impending free agents. They do have some questions, but that could be a good fit there. Uh, lastly, let's talk Anthony Richardson. We are kicking around and, and talking about this a few weeks ago. Could he sneak into the first round? Could he be a fit for the Vikings at the end of the first round? And now he looks like he's a top-10 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a metric out there that's gained a ton of steam over recent years, the Packers are infamous or famous for drafting off of this or drafting players that score highly in this relative athletic score. It measures your height, your weight, your splits, your wingspan, all sorts of different things, and puts it into a category of, hey, where does this rank among everybody that's ever done the underwear gymnastics in Indianapolis? And Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback prospect in terms of athleticism in NFL history at the Combine followed by Cam Newton and Vikings' Dante Culpepper is third on this list. I'm going to hand you this list now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a jumble of guys that you say, who the heck is that? Guys that had really nice backup careers, guys that were first-round picks that didn't do a thing, like Blaine Gabbert. Then you got guys on there like Cam, Dante Culpepper, and Andrew Luck. Does the RAS relative athletic score say anything at all to you that makes Anthony Richardson a surefire top 10 pick, or is it simply just a little bit more of the intrigue on top of him as a prospect? I think that it's relevant for where he'll be selected. Do I believe in it? No, because Joe Webb also ranked high on here. He's not quite on here. So, uh, I mean, I I consider it, but I don't consider it gospel in general. But, yeah, in terms of getting that draft stock up there, um, it it will help. In the top three on this RAS list are Anthony Richardson, Cam Newton, Dante Culpepper. When you look at that, great. Yeah. Especially if Culpepper's knee didn't blow up in 2005. But the thing that's so weird, so there's a big crowd of Richardson fanatics who are talking him into the top five, maybe even first overall with the uh, six and a half weeks or whatever we, whatever we have left. But with those guys and gals, I say to them, the guy in last year, he completed 53.8% of his passes, and college should be easier than the NFL to complete passes. And the only response I get is, well, he needs a little time. And it's like 53.8% is putrid, yep. and nobody cares. Yep. And Josh Allen, to be fair, Josh Allen was one of those guys that faced very similar critiques yes. in college. He did not have a, a very strong completion percentage. His senior year stunk mm-hmm. relative to everything else. But the physical tools is what made him attractive, the size, the weight, the running ability. And Josh Allen has turned out just fine so far in his NFL career. So where will Anthony Richardson go? He's a project guy still, but Mm -hmm. there might be a team that doesn't have a quarterback need right away that could take him in the top 10, top 12. One thing that's funny, if he gets paired with a patch over quarterback, I mean, pick your favorite, Mike Glennon, Mariota, something like that. And you're one and six, but you're not ready to play Richardson because he's raw. It's going to be so painstaking, yes. especially when you're holding up the RAS. Like, who cares? Let's see what he's got. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very interesting situation with Anthony Richardson. Again, possibly a top five, top ten pick 
in this year's draft out of the University of Florida. Coming up next, ESPN.com had an article earlier this week, the best and worst signings for every team in the last five years in NFL free agency. We will dissect that next and get Dustin Baker's take on the Vikings selections in that article. That's around the corner, ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Jason, why did you sandwich and get caught up with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls sports leader. Back on Overtime, talking all things NFL with Dustin Baker of VikingsTerritory.com. Hit him up on Twitter at DustBaker. And now we will get to the moment that Vikings fans have been waiting for throughout the show. We talked a little Kirk Cousins, but now, Dustin, let's uh, kind of raise the alarm of Vikings fans that are out there listening right now. Uh, Eric Kendricks uh, was released earlier this week. There's still going to be some other dominoes to fall. It could be simple restructures. It could be a Kirk Cousins lowering of his cap number. It could be... A restructure for Adam Thielen, restructure for Dalvin Cook. There's so many different possibilities, but what should Vikings fans prepare for for Adam Thielen? And is there any chance that Dalvin Cook could be off the team this offseason? Yeah, for Adam Thielen fans, and I know that uh, there's thousands out there, I think we're, if you guys watch the the film, TV series, or comic book, Watchmen, I think we're at that doomsday clock where he's <laughs> going to leave the franchise Um he has a $19.9 million cap hit in 2023, and frankly, that's too much for Thielen and his 717 receiving yards last year. And we're good for him. He shouldn't take a pay cut. Nobody should just take a pay cut, but I think that would be the expectation. And yeah, I would expect, sorry to say, I would expect Thielen to be released in the coming days. Ooh. And then um, based on some of my, my contacts, uh, watch for a Kansas City Chiefs relationship there because he, he, already, he claims he has a lot... In, left in the tank. And if he goes to the Chiefs, he's going to show that tank to everybody. Uh, the other teams to watch are the Bills, a reunion with Stephon Diggs, and then my personal theories are Cleveland Browns to reunite with Kevin Stefanski, wherever Aaron Rodgers ends up, because those two are pals, or perhaps Denver because of the connection to George Payton. But yeah, I personally expect Thielen to be gone by Monday. This might be a personal hell for both of us, but what about the Dallas Cowboys? Are they in the running? I no, I, I don't have them. Um, I haven't heard any chirping about that. Um, but the Cowboys always seem to like like the big name wide receivers. Uh, so that one wouldn't absolutely stun me. But the more that you think about it, if a guy wants to prove he has a lot left in the tank, why not go play with the best quarterback in football with the Chiefs or the New York Jets? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so now Dalvin Cook. This is a complicated situation. He signed this uh, five-year, sixty-three million dollar deal uh, back in twenty twenty. And uh, now, after next year, they have it on Spotrack as the potential out that would only cost the Vikings just north of $6 million in dead cap money. Um, Dalvin Cook battled some injuries, had the shoulder surgery. Uh, where does he stand right now? Could he be moved on from, traded away, cut, possibly? Yes, the answer is he can be. Um, I think the Vikings want to trade him and maybe get a fourth rounder or something. But here's the deal. The Vikings employ the Moneyball general manager, the poster child for football analytics in Kwesi Adafa Mensa. And those guys and gals don't pay running backs. You stare down at the salary cap, and your running backs are going to make $14.4 million in 2023. So the Vikings ran the ball the third least last year. They employ the NFL's fourth most expensive running back. 
Adafa Mensa has to put his money where his mouth is if he's going to be the analytics general manager. He can't continue to pay running backs top-tier money and then pretend to be a student of analytics. So this one's tricky because Thielen, or excuse me, Cook just had surgery a couple weeks ago, and somehow that guaranteed $2 million for 2023. I think that he could be a candidate for the restructure where you kick the can down the road for the money and do some of the, the void years or something like that. But I really think that something's got to give with paying a running back that much when you're in a pass-happy offense. By the way, have a Wall Street guy as your general manager. Before we get to this uh, best and worst free agent signings of the last five years for the area NFL teams, more likely to be on the Vikings' opening day roster this mm-hmm. fall. Alexander Madison, who's a free agent, or Dalvin Cook? Oh, boy, that's a real good one. I would say more likely Dalvin Cook once they've come to some sort of restructure. Okay, there's your answer, Vikings fans. As again, everybody's on pins and needles. I'm on pins and needles for my Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, all the situations there, but the Vikings certainly have a tough situation too over the next few days. Wednesday's the beginning of the new league year. you got to be under the salary cap at that time, whether it's restructures, cuts, trades, the whole shebang. And, of course, Kwesi Dolphamensa, one of the best in the business at uh, massaging trades, no matter if it's in the NFL draft or otherwise. Acquired TJ Hawkinson uh, middle of the season. Now ESPN.com has an article up. I found this fascinating. I printed it out so we could talk about it. The best and worst free agent signings for every team in the league. We'll kind of keep it here as far as uh, our local teams go. Starting out with the Denver Broncos, their best signing, according to ESPN.com, in the last five years was Kareem Jackson, the safety in 2019. Their worst was the same offseason, Jawan James, offensive tackle in 2019. For the Chiefs, best signing 2019 as well, Tyron Matthew, safety, dynamic playmaker, helped to lead the Chiefs towards the Super Bowl. Worst signing, Anthony Hitchens, back in 2018. And as we move right along to uh, other area teams, Chicago Bears, their best signing no longer with the team, but was an impactful player, Robert Quinn in 2020. Trey Burton, Super Bowl hero, tight end in 2018. For my Packers, their best signing listed, and this is kind of up in the air for me. Preston Smith is listed as the best signing. Zedaria Smith could also be in there. The worst, mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham in 2018. The only <laughs> reason it's that is because they didn't go back a year prior to Martellus Bennett. <laughs> uh, for the Vikings, I won't give you give these yet for you, but what mm-hmm. is your inkling on what ESPN.com had to say here? Best or worst? Let's go best, then worst. Uh, so best, some of you will grimace, but I think it has to be Kirk Cousins. Uh, since he came aboard in 2018, he ranks fourth in the NFL in touchdown passes, second in game-winning drives, second and fourth quarter comebacks. Uh, the honorable mentions would be Patrick Peterson. Yep. Um, he's been da- he's, he was played on a $4 million contract last year, and he was the NFL's seventh-best CB, according to Pro Football Focus. And the other one would be Dalvin Tomlinson. There is not a more consistent football player on defense than Dalvin Tomlinson. So those would be the three... Uh, I can't. I don't know who wrote that article, and it might be an anti-Cousins Ben, but who was it? Um, let's see. It's just listed as NFL Nation. But okay. So we'll go with this. This is just going to make you laugh a little bit. The best signing, Kirk Cousins, judging Cousins' time in Minnesota, must include the context of what preceded him. The Vikings had used 10 primary starting quarterbacks in 12 seasons <laughs> since Dante Culpepper's career-altering knee injury in 05. And since his arrival, Cousins has brought the Vikings a rare level of stability. Yeah. So you're head on with uh, Kirk yeah, Cousins being the I best. I could have written that. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> for the worst, what did you have in mind? Uh, this is cool because the Vikings really haven't had any ginormous, humongous strikeouts. Um, Michael Pierce, probably because he was injury prone. But when he played, he was great. He just couldn't stay on the field very much. 
Uh, Nick Vigil was a nothing burger for one season. He scored a touchdown, but who cares? Mm -hmm. My personal vendetta was Sean Mannion because I had to watch every preseason <laughs> game, and the guy was terrible. But I think the the biggest strikeout was Bashad Breeland. Uh, yep. They signed him as the solution last year and steadfastly kept him as a starter when Cameron Dantzler was the better football player. Yep. Packer and, legend Bashad Breeland. Yep, and then he talked his way out of town. He had a very lewd tweet uh, to fans. I can't even say it on these radio waves. And then I uh, got in a fight and got cut. Mm. So who do they got? Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of course of, uh, they do. The premium nature of the Cousins acquisition gave him extraordinary leverage over his future, regardless of performance, while requiring the Vikings to accept that they were paying elite money to a player who was good but not transcendent at the time. So a little bit of a lazy answer there for Minnesota, but best That's... and worst, Kirk Cousins. I think you'd get a kick out of that. Oh, yeah, you set me up there. Always <laughs> a blast to talk Vikings and NFL with you. We hope to do it again next week. Better weather in store, I'm sure. Thanks for the time, as always. Yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about what has happened in three days of free agency, so count me in. And we'll be underway at Dust Baker on Twitter is where you can find him. Vikes now on YouTube, vikingsterritory.com. Always a pleasure to talk Vikings and NFL with Dustin Baker here on Overtime. Headlines and more on the other side, including racing legend Duff, Doug Wolfgang, Wolfgang, excuse me, to round out the Thursday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN Sioux Falls. You know how I like